All right, well, let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, today. Thank you for uh, the celebration today for fathers, uh, honoring fathers. And Lord, um, we're thankful for the, the, the privilege uh, as fathers to be entrusted with, with uh, children and uh, as parents, period. Not only fathers, but we're, we're, we're thankful for that and pray for your wisdom uh, and all of that. We pray for your wisdom in uh, ministering to the kids that we've just been talking about here in the, in the kids' ministries and ask for your wisdom there and wisdom here tonight as we, uh, uh, again, look at your word and, and uh, think about the truth that is revealed here. Open up our understanding, we pray. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Um, let's do this before we... I'm, I'll give you opportunity in a moment for... Uh, uh, if you got any comments or questions on this morning. Um, but for, for starters, I want to do this. Let's go to a couple of... Uh, of passages, Luke 21, Luke 21, and this is part of the uh, the Olivet Discourse, and Jesus is talking about, um, I think, a mixture of things that were about to take place, and as we look back now, did take place. And uh, a mixture between that and, and things that were that are still yet future, even from our standpoint. Um, so, for example, I'll just give you how it uh, how it starts off here. If you look in verse five, Luke twenty one five, and while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and off, and offerings, he said. As for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And they asked him, Teacher, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, See that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. And then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes in various places, famines and pestilence, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds, not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up, even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Um, and that's the one I wanted to get to there in relation to what we're talking about this morning. Endure, endure, and trust. Endure and trust. We got uh, calls throughout the, the New Testament here to endure, endure, and trust. That is, Endure, I could say it this way, and I'll show you this in a moment in, uh, in Hebrews, but endure while trusting Jesus. So, so the endurance that we're talking about here is not uh, like a, 
uh, mustering up your your own strength and saying, uh, you know, I can, I can, uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm determined to take whatever comes. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it's almost like we're telling God, I got your back or something. Um, but no, but it is a determination to endure. But it's, but it is, it is trusting Christ uh, in 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 everything. It's trust that is trusting Christ that. Um, our reward is coming. You know, M- Moses, for example, writer of Hebrews says, um, he chose uh, to, uh, rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, he chose affliction, to be afflicted with the people of God. For, the writer of Hebrews says, for he looked to the reward. So, so he knew he'd been promised a reward and he trusted God. And, and because of that, he was able to, to endure uh, persecution uh, and affliction of, of uh, the affliction that the people of God were suffering. So he, so he chose to identify as a Hebrew when they were slaves in Egypt rather than um, enjoy the status that he had being raised up in, uh, in uh, Pharaoh's house. I mean, he could have continued uh, as one of the household of Pharaoh. So Jesus says, by your endurance... You will gain your lives. Just, just inter- very interesting. Or you know, the, the, the King James says something like, uh, "In your endurance, you, uh, you possess your souls." So, so it's 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 through endurance, endurance and trusting. Now, just to give you a little bit of the the um, what I said a moment ago, some of this has happened, some of it's future. Look at verse twenty, Luke twenty one twenty. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies... Now, now remember, they had asked a question, right? Because Jesus said the days will come when there will not be one stone left upon another. He's talking about the temple and all that area. And so uh, they asked in verse 7, Teacher, when will these things be? What will be the sign? When, when, what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? So verse 20, he says, Now when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is, uh, has come, has come near. Then, let those who are in Judea flee. That is, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart, and let not those who are out in the country enter it. For these are the days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Alas, for women who are pregnant, and for those who are nursing infants in those days. For there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. Notice that. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now, what I'm saying here is I think all that has taken place. It took place when uh, the Roman general Titus uh, laid siege to, uh, siege to Jerusalem, and eventually, and I forget what the time span of the siege was now, it was long, but eventually he raised the city. Uh, he went in and, and pretty much did exactly what Jesus said, you know, left not one stone standing upon another pretty much, um, and, and brought it down. So I think that's what, that, that took place in the year 70 A.D., and I think that's what Jesus is referring to here. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come. Let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. That, that happened. Christians, Christians at that time fled the city. And um, you know, later, 
um, weren't highly thought of, I think, by the Jews because of that. <laughs> but, but they understood, you know, the Christians understood. They had, they had Jesus' prophecy just like we're looking at it now. And so they, they left. They got out of there. Uh, and the people that remained, um, it was a horrific, horrific uh, time in history. Josephus recorded uh, some very gruesome details about it uh, in his writings uh, as, as Titus laid siege on the city. Uh, you know, when that happens, of course, what, uh, what happens is, for example, food begins to run out and people get desperate and they, they, they kill one another and they eat one another and, and uh, all kinds of uh, things that are otherwise almost unimaginable. Well, that took place in 70 A.D. But I, I do still think that there is a, it, there seems to me to be an end time event that is sort of prefigured there. Um, so while that did happen, uh, it may be that, that Jesus still has in mind um, something even greater in the future. Uh, he, I mean, his language seems to imply that to me because he, he says, let's see, For these are the days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written, that's, and this is verse 23, um, Alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, for there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. So he's talking about the Jews. And as I said, that did, that did, uh, that did occur in 70 A.D. There was attack upon Israel by, by uh, the Roman general Titus. Verse 24, They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And he goes on, he continues, verse 25, There will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Okay, see, that has not happened yet, at least in my opinion. There, there are people that argue, well, really, there are people that argue that took place as well. Because um, they will say, uh, at least one, one, one view there is that uh, he's talking about coming in judgment. And so the coming in the clouds is just a way of, of, uh, of talking about judgment. And so when Titus's army moved upon Jerusalem, that was Christ coming in judgment, Jesus coming in judgment. Um, but I think, he's, I think here he's talking about the second coming. Um, so, so, it, so a lot of this begins to get mixed, and it's hard to, it's hard to, to discern what exactly uh, takes place when or what goes with what. But it seems to me that verses 29 through 24, I'm sorry, 20 through 24, let's say, uh, seem to me to clearly be talking about the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. But then when you start reading what we just read a moment ago, 25, 26, 27, 28, he, he's, he's taking us to the end. And then, verse 27, And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. We've already seen one description of that in, in the book of Revelation. And this is um, following... Verse 25, you know, distress of nations and perplexity. Uh, verse 26, people fainting with fear and with foreboding for what is coming on the world, he says this time. Instead of, instead of saying explicitly on this people, here he says on, it's coming on the world. And then verse 28, he says, now 
when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out and leaf, you see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place. And so stand before the Son of Man. Okay, a couple things here. Um, in verse 35... Notice there, he says, For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. So, so here, he doesn't seem to be limiting, limiting it to the Jews like he does um, back in verse... Uh, oh, I lost my place. Where was that? Let's see. Uh, verse 23. In verse 23, when he's talking about Jerusalem being surrounded by armies and, and uh, vengeance... He says, vengeance and wrath, he says, against this people. He seems to specifically be talking about Jerusalem. But here in verse 20, verse 35 rather, verse 35, he's talking about things that are going to be coming upon the face of the whole earth. And he's saying, watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. So that that day uh, come upon you suddenly like a trap. He's saying, avoid that. Don't let that day come upon you like a trap. Or like um, he says in other places, like a thief. Um, Paul says that in Thessalonians too. Stay awake. Watch. Be alert. Don't, don't get caught up with the cares of this life. So on and so forth. Verse 36. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place. Now, that is a, a, a parallel to what he has said in verse 18, um, or verse 19, rather. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Stay awake, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. In other words, we need strength to endure. So Jesus is saying, stay awake, be alert to these things, use discernment. Um, you know, that's why he gives the whole analogy, like with the fig tree. You know, there, there are ways that these things can be, can be known, that, that they are um, drawing near. So he's saying, don't be caught off guard, stay awake, be alert to these things. In your endurance, you will gain your lives. Pray that you may have strength to escape these things that are going to take place and stand before the Son of Man. All right, let me give you another um, passage in uh, Hebrews chapter 10. <clears throat> the whole book of Hebrews is, is, is written because 
these people, these Jewish believers or Jews that had confessed faith in Christ were contemplating going back to the law for righteousness. So in other words, they were in danger of not enduring, not holding fast the confession of faith. All right? And so that's what the whole book of Hebrews is, is, is written for, is to encourage them to endure. In fact, um, the author, whoever he was, and we don't know who wrote Hebrews, but the author, uh, at the end of the book, we call it a book, but he calls it an exhortation. So, in other words, it's like a, like a sermon. And the book of Hebrews, is, is a, it's a sermon. He is, he is exhorting them to endure. And, uh, and, I've, actually, and I've done this, if you, if you read it, um, straight through, it'll take you about an hour to read it. So there we have scriptural evidence for an hour-long sermon, okay? <laughs> uh, okay. Um, but not a mandate, but, you know, evidence. Um, but anyway, it, it is. It's an exhortation. He's exhorting them to endure. So you get to chapter 10. Of course, we're jumping in the middle of it here. But, uh, or actually kind of close to the end. Uh, let's see where I want to pick up here. Hmm? Um, yes, yeah, that's a good starting place right there. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. See how he's trying to get their, <laughs> their uh, uh, or renew, you might say, renew their confidence in Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus. By a new and living way, that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled. There's the trust we're talking about this morning, the trusting in Christ, full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast, verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. So there's the endurance. Let us hold fast. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. You got, you got the, the, there's the endurance and there's the trust. Why should we endure? Because he's faithful. Because, or, or to say it another way, because he's trustworthy. God doesn't lie, right? And, and so, we, so we can be confident in the work of Christ that he describes uh, in verse 19 there. Um, we come to God through a new and living way because of the blood of Jesus. So therefore, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises faithful. Verse 24, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So, so as you see the day drawing near, he says, let us stir one another up to love and good works. Now, this is part of his exhortation. Hold fast your confession. Stir one another up to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. And that, that it, it is still the habit of some, is it not? <laughs> we, still, we still have that problem. Here it is written uh, in the Scripture, and yet we still have that problem of, of, of neglecting 
the meeting together. Now, he doesn't put that across in a legalistic way, like sometimes we, we are tempted to do, you know, uh, especially using the old King James language. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, uh, you know, or, or else you'll burn or something like that, you know. Or else you'll, uh, you'll, you'll burn in hell. So, I mean, people get legalistic with it. He's not putting it in a legalistic way. He's, he's, this is an exhortation. The day is drawing near. The opposition is real, is the idea here. They're, they're really, the Lord really is coming. And this life really is hard. And there really is no other way to God but through the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ. And God really is faithful. Therefore, stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. Because that's necessary if you're going to stir one another up to love and good works. If you're going to encourage one another and, uh, and you know, do those, do those things, do good works together, um, then it is necessary to meet together. So not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all, why would we need to encourage one another? Because this life is hard. Because we are strangers in a foreign land. Because we are, in some sense, persecuted. Now, we're not all persecuted the same way. You know, like I say, over in Syria and Iraq, uh, Christians are literally being beheaded and enslaved and things like that. We don't have that here. But, but we do... We do um, experience some form of persecution if, it, if it's nothing more than you know, people just thinking we're idiots for, for, for believing this stuff. So we need encouragement. So he's saying, you know, it's, it, it's, a, it's a hard world. But these are realities. God is faithful and Jesus is coming. Jesus really did die for the sins of those who will believe. So stir one another up to good work, to love and to good works, and encourage one another, especially as you see that day Approaching and boy, don't we? Um, um, you know, that's that's by the way, that's a simple thing to illustrate. Are are you are you more encouraged? And maybe maybe we're even wrong for thinking this way. I don't know, but this is just matter of fact. Are you more encouraged when you see more people here? More, let's say, more members. Are you more encouraged when you see more members here participating than when you see few members here participating? Are you more encouraged when you when you get more fellowship with more believers, or are you more encouraged when it's just a few? Well, probably you're going to say I'm more encouraged when I see more people, uh, you know, because you 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 see more more people interested in doing God's will. You see more people interested in you doing God's will. You know, helping you do God's will, encouraging you, and so forth. It's just it's encouraging. There's there's something about uh, several things really about. Um, Community, the Christian community, um, that uh, that we we often fail to, uh, to fully realize, you know, just just from from a lack of understanding, a lack of participation. So those are things we want to grow in and encourage one another. Um, so he says, do that, especially as you see the the day drawing near. Now let me let me jump down a little bit. Um, verse thirty two, but recall. Verse 32, recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. 
For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your own property, of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Isn't that amazing? These people that did these things are now thinking about turning their back on Christ. It's amazing, isn't it? So he's saying, recall, recall, recall the former days when you put other people before yourself. And in so doing, put Christ before yourself. Didn't Jesus say, when you've done, done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me? Or when you've not done it unto the least of these, you've not done it unto me? So he's saying, recall that. Remember when you suffered, and not only that, but you were partners with those who did, others who suffered, and you had compassion on those in prison and joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you, that you yourselves had a better possession. That is, like Moses, you were looking to the reward. You were saying, whatever I've got here and now is nothing compared to the reward that lies ahead. And uh, because, you, because you understood you have a better possession than these things that we enjoy on the earth, you were willing to suffer the plundering of your own property. Better possession and an abiding one, he says. Um, Jim Elliott. Uh, Elizabeth Elliot died last week. I don't know if y'all know that. She's um, um, her husband was speared to death by the Aka Indians in uh, 1957, I think it was 56, 57, when when you know five young missionaries flew into Ecuador, landed on a beach, and uh, the Indians came out and speared them to death. One of them was her husband, Jim Elliot, and um, she after that occurred. She, I forgot how many kids they had at the time. At least one. I think it was more than one. Yeah, I think so. She packed up the kids and went back home to the States, right? No, because they were living in Ecuador. No, she packed up the kids and moved into the jungle with those Indians that killed her husband. And I think one of the other wives did as well, or did later on. And because of that, today, many of those Indians are Christians. They took them the gospel. They killed their husbands, and they responded by taking them the gospel. They took them the gospel, and many of them are Christians today. Uh, some, of them are, some of the ones that were in on that are still alive, as far as I know. I haven't heard of them dying. Um, so she died last week. But what I was going to say, I was gonna, a famous quote by her husband who... You know, he was in his 20s when he died, when he was speared to death. He, um, let's see, how did he say it? He who gives up what he cannot keep in order to gain that which he cannot lose is no fool. He, he, yeah, in fact, he started it with that. He is no fool. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. That's why he was willing to go in there and die, because he knew he had a better possession and an abiding one. And so he was willing to go, even if it cost him his life, and it did cost him his life. Verse 36. I'm sorry, verse 35. Therefore... 
do not throw away your confidence. Here again is, is the call for endurance. Endurance. Do not throw away your confidence, which has great, which has a great reward. That is, what did Jesus say? Those who endure to the end shall be what? Anybody know? Saved. Those who endure to the end shall be saved. Your confidence has great reward. In your endurance, you gain your lives, Jesus says, or you possess your souls. So, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. And and you may remember, you may recall, when we went, when we, uh, when I preached through the book of Hebrews, I gave you verse 36 as the key verse. I mean, that's, that's, that sums up the whole book. That's his message. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Because they're in danger of not receiving the promise if they turn away from Christ. Alright, so there's the endurance while trusting Jesus. Flip over to chapter 12. One more I'm going to give you here. Chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Maybe verse 3. <laughs> verse 1. Therefore, and remember, you always want to ask, what's the therefore, therefore, Right? Chapter 11 is what we call the, the Hall of Faith, you know, the Great Faith chapter. Um, so, in other words, he's saying, so based on everything I've just told, we've just, we've just considered in chapter 11. Therefore, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your own struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, like Jesus did, is what He's saying, or and, and other Christians as well. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten... The exhortation that addresses you as sons, My son, do not regard lightly the the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son whom He receives. For uh, it is for, verse 7, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. (laughs) I'm telling you. a lot of times, um, people take that to, to as though we're talking about spanking. And, and what he's talking about here is, is training. It's like an athlete training. 
um, to accomplish greater things. Run the race with endurance. That's the discipline that he's talking about. It is for discipline that you have to endure. In other words, the reason we have to endure the things that we do is because that is God's means of growing us in grace and in the knowledge of Him, strengthening us. In fact, um, I said I was only going to give you one more, but this just came to mind. So, um, Look at Romans 5 real quick. I know I'm jumping around a lot here, but I'm just kind of trying to expound on what we what we talked about this morning. Endure and trust. And we saw it right there, right? In Hebrews, he says, uh, in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, run the race with endurance. So there's the endurance we were talking about this morning. Endure, endure, a call to endure while trusting Jesus. And what is he going to say in verse 2? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That is, endure trusting in Him. Trusting in Him, because He's trustworthy. All right, Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces Character, See that? That's, that's what the writer of Hebrews is talking about in, in chapter 12 when he talks about discipline. We're, we're being trained through hardship, sometimes suffering, severe suffering. And, and it has, it has uh, uh, in, in terms of our sanctification, it has the effect of, of growing us. Um, so that our fa- our faith is strengthened, and so that we we uh, our um, the way that it says here our our character um, endurance produces character. So in other words, our our character is enhanced. We we mature. In other words, we grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. And it, and it also has the effect of being a witness to the world. There were headlines again today, and a show on CNN of all places about the people in uh, Emmanuel. AME Church in South Carolina, forgiving the killer. The families. Today it was the families. Family, the headlines. Families forgive killer. And they were doing a show on it and talking about it on CNN. <laughs> Look, nobody... I, I don't want to go through that kind of thing. No, they didn't want to go through that. Nobody, nobody wants to go through those kinds of things. But... You see, don't you, the effect that it has. Because God's, God shows up in the power of His grace. Granting them strength, in this case, I'm talking about them specifically, granting them strength to endure, strength to forgive, strength to, rather than to, to uh, just, you know, go crazy or something and be and, and, uh, uh, bitter, you know, rather than all that, forgive and show God's grace, extend God's grace. I mean, they were they were actually um, essentially pleading with that man, to that young boy, uh, more like a young boy, but uh, pleading with him to to repent and come to Christ. So, endurance produces character. Endurance produces character. Suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. 
and character produces hope, Paul goes on to say. And hope does not put us to shame. Why not? Well, because God is faithful. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. So, um, it's, a, it's a call for endurance. You know, you know here we are, we're facing, we, we're facing, we, we, we know not what, other than Jesus has told us. We're, we're, we're going to be uh, persecuted by governments. We're going to be um, betrayed by family members. I mean, there, there's, there's, you know, nations rising against nation. Famine, pestilence, all kinds of turmoil. Jesus has told us these things are coming. And um, John says, this is a call for endurance and faith of the saints. In other words, we're, we're called to endure whatever comes and do it while trusting Jesus that He knows best. And that the end that He is uh, accomplishing is is worth accomplishing. It's right and it's just. And in the end, it all works for our good and for His glory. All right, so I thought these other passages might kind of help with that. Before we uh, uh, dismiss, are there any, any comments or questions on any of that? Go ahead, David. Amen. Absolutely. Being confident, Paul says. Being confident of this very thing. That he who began a good work in you will complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. That's right, man. That's, that's, that's strength for endurance, isn't it? Especially when you... Because, you know, a lot of the troubles we go through, self-inflicted, right? I, um, so, uh, um, I mean, just think about that. You think, well, you know, I got myself in this mess. Now, a lot of times we can... That's a form of pride, too, that we don't often recognize. We, we think, you know, I got myself in this mess. Why should I ask God? to get me out of it, you know. I mean, if I'd have been listening to him in the first place, I wouldn't have got into this mess. Um, well, ask him to get... I need to ask him to get me out of it because he's the only one <laughs> who really can and he's the only one worth trusting. Uh, so, yeah, it's true. I create a lot of my own problems, but I still need to run to God and say, Lord, uh, you know, I messed up and I need, I need your grace. Uh, and... Passages like that uh, just strengthen that, uh, that confidence. He who began a good work in you will complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. Anything else? All right. Mavis, it's sure been good to have you back with us today. Glad to see you doing well. All right. Well, let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, we do thank you for your word for these assurances that what you start, you complete. That what you do, you do well. You don't do halfway jobs. Father, we're, we're just thankful because we know our own hearts. We know we're not faithful. We're thankful that you are faithful. So, Father, we, we do pray for grace 
whatever lies ahead in our own situations, in our own personal lives, in our own church life as a uh, local congregation or even as Christians in this country. Uh, Father, we, we pray whatever lies ahead, um, we pray for your grace and we, and we even ask that, trusting that you will provide the grace that we need. Again, because you're faithful. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.